6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Have a conversation about this. I was reading this story and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. An asteroid bigger than any building in the world will pass by Earth tomorrow. It's named 1994 PC-1 and it's 3,600 feet wide. So what else do we know about it and will you be able to see it? How would you see it? Let's find out with astronomer and space expert Paul Delaney, who is also a physics and astronomy professor at York University. Paul, welcome to 630 Chet in Edmonton. Good afternoon, Jaylen. It is lovely to have you along here. All right, so when we talk about the size of this asteroid, and people are saying, you know, it's bigger uh, than any uh, of, of, of the buildings on Earth. I mean, how <laughs> why does that matter when it comes to asteroids? <laughs> well, bigger really does count in this regard, although, <laughs> as you indicated, this one is going to be a clean miss. This one's going to miss us by nearly uh, 2 million kilometres. But in the event that a kilometre-sized asteroid, and that's how big 1994 PC-1 is, Something that big is what we call an extinction level an event. So that hitting our planet would be like the uh, dinosaur era 65 million years ago. Mm. It'd wipe out something like 90% of all of the life on this planet. But I, I stress again, this one's a clean mist tomorrow. <laughs> Two million kilometers is a long way away, so there's no danger. But it is a big object, and it's one that astronomers keep an eye on just for the very fact that we don't want it to sneak up on us at a future pass. So, Paul, how does an asteroid change its trajectory? Would it would it all depend on gravitational pull and all of that good stuff? I mean, yep. do ast- <laughs> yeah, does it change dramatically year over year sort of thing? Generally speaking, the answer is no, because they tend to miss planets like Earth and Mars by significant distances. But you can imagine the closer you get, the stronger is the gravitational pull on these objects. And so if you had this particular object pass within, let's say, 100,000 kilometers instead of 2 million. The force on it is substantial. And now it does bend the orbit, it does change the orbit, and maybe not the next pass, but the pass after that or the pass after that. It's important for us to monitor the orbit of these objects, and there are about a thousand objects that are a kilometre in size and diameter. Uh, And if we keep an eye on them, then those objects don't pose an unexpected risk to us. So it's, it's a matter of monitoring them because as I said, Earth and Mars in particular can subtly alter the path the mm. orbit of these objects and that could be a problem say 50 years from now and you know that that's that's something we need to be aware of <laughs> there are i was reading something like 27,000 known near earth objects is that true uh, depending on what size threshold you want to count. Okay, if it, okay so as I said, about a 1,000 of them are a kilometer in diameter or more, and those are extinction-level events. When you get down smaller, say 100, okay. I think you're actually uh, quoting a figure for 100 meters or more in diameter, okay. uh, then you know, we're talking, as you say, 27,000. If you go down to 10 meters or 50 meters, the number gets up into the hundreds of thousands. But those objects are not potentially problematic. If a 10-meter diameter object comes through the atmosphere, the chances are that it will burn up entirely. But, you know, if you end up with, and think back to 2013 and the Chelyabinsk 
yes. uh, event in Siberia that shattered every piece of glass in that town. No fatalities, but a lot of people got hurt by the, the smashing gro- uh, glass. That was an object that was about 15 meters in diameter when it landed. So it probably started out at about twice that diameter upon entry. Wow. Well, Paul Delaney joining us this afternoon. So when the asteroid comes, uh, passes by Earth, how is data collected from it and, and what kind of data would be collected from it? Well, the more we find out about these objects, the better we can plan the the, the, the possibility of having to deflect it. Uh, so this object will be monitored by radar as it comes by us. That'll give us a better indication of its size. I say it's about a kilometer, but you know, the, the more information we have, we'll refine that number. What really counts is the mass of the object. We want to know how massive it is, because if we can combine the mass and its size, then we get something called the density. And, you know, if it's a rock with a high density, then we know it's potentially far more dangerous in the event that it comes through the atmosphere. If the density is really low, then the chances are pretty good that it'll break up during atmospheric entry. So more information about the physical characteristics of any object gives us better insight in what to do with it in the event that we have to try and, say, move it. <laughs> move it off of the pathway to Earth. There's a mission out there called DART, Double Asteroid. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that's right. That has that, that been launched by NASA last November uh, by Planetary Defense, and as the name suggests, they're trying to figure out whether or not they have the capability to nudge change an asteroid's path. And so DART is going to impact an object by the name of Didymos uh, at the end of September. It too is going to be clean mist from Earth. In fact, it's not going to get anywhere closer than 11 million kilometers. Mm. But we want to see whether or not a kinetic impact running into it basically will change its orbit. Because if it does, then it gives us a mechanism to change other objects orbit. We calculate how much energy we have to impact or impart to an object and how much, how much time in advance we have to do it. Because a small little change, say a year out, is a whole lot easier to affect than say a big change a week out. <laughs> Paul, you know, everyone right now is just thinking about Bruce Willis and Armageddon, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> <we talk. laughs> That's You're like, right. oh, I know. Okay, now I've heard that before about a thousand times. <laughs> yep, yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. Hey, I like the movie from the point of view of pure fiction. From the point of view of science, please, it failed miserably in my class. But, you know, it's a good, good tale. I, I would have thought that that they would have or NASA would have been on this a long time ago trying to figure out what to do or how to do it if needed. They have been. Uh, we, we've been talking about planetary defense mechanisms, gravitational tugs, uh, putting a, an engine literally on an asteroid. It, it, there's a, a number of mechanisms, but you know, it, it comes down to money. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, NASA's budget is pretty tight and politicians, you know, cycle through every four years. Uh, and talking about an object that might hit us 50 years from now 
isn't on many people's political agenda. So finally, NASA did manage to pull together the funding and get enough uh, people on board to launch DART last November. So this is the first really solid effort to try and figure out whether or not a kinetic impact will actually change an object's orbit. But, you know, planetary defence has been thinking about this for 20 years. Astronomers have been monitoring these near-Earth asteroids, what we call Apollo asteroids, for probably the better part of 50 years. Uh, and, you know, we know where the big guys are. It, it, it's the smaller ones that we have trouble with. Uh, and, of course, it's that one big one that we haven't found. We've found probably 90 to 95% of all of the big ones, but there are still a few out there that we suspect we haven't found. They're hard to see. Mm. Now, talking about being able, you know, about seeing things, would would us Earthlings be able to see this tomorrow with, you know, even just a backyard telescope? With a backyard telescope, you could. Uh, it, its closest pass, and therefore its brightest, is about, uh, uh, let's see here, in Edmonton time, you're two hours behind Eastern, so around about uh, 20 after 2 tomorrow afternoon. So you won't be able to see it at that point because the sun is still up. But mm-hmm. uh, early evening, if you have a small telescope, something as small as a 15 centimeter diameter reflecting telescope will be sufficient you've got to know where to look obviously so you've got (laughs) to have a a star chart but there's lots of them out there with nasa and skynews.ca there's no shortage of of uh, mechanisms available to the keen amateur astronomer to find where this object will be it's moving so quickly it will literally be passing through a telescope's field of view perceptively every few minutes which makes it really easy to find because of course the other stars aren't moving uh so anybody who is really interested about a 15 centimeter telescope tomorrow night uh as close to uh the end of evening twilight as you can because that will make this object as bright as it's going to be it's about 10th magnitude uh which for a small telescope is okay for those who were thinking maybe a pair of binoculars or naked eye, no, you're not going to see okay. it with that. You, you need a smaller telescope. And Paul, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for making time for us this afternoon. Thank you. My, my pleasure. Enjoy. Yeah, take care. Paul Delaney joining us this afternoon. We're talking about that asteroid that's going to pass by Earth tomorrow. It's called 1994 PC1. And yeah, if you have a telescope, you'll be able to see it. You can also check it out online.